This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, my name is Kristen. I'm the author of the book Five Lines of Code, and you're listening to the Agile Uprising podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising podcast. I am your host, Troy Lightfoot, and I and with me, I have my co-host, Jay Herskow. Say hi, Jay. Hey, hello. Hopefully I said that right. Yeah, Hers- you, you nailed it. You nailed it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I've known you for, I don't know, six years now? Six, I think six years. And I still don't know how to say your name exactly. So it seems like- Troy, my college cool. roommate, I've known him for yeah. 24 years. He still can't spell my last name. Fair so enough. don't I actually can spell it H R S K O, right? Something nope. like that. <laughs> no. no? Okay. No, again, <laughs> okay. once you hit the 24 year mark, that's the hurdle you got to be. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, today we are, I'm, I'm going to be really asking Jay a lot of questions because he has, he has a lot of knowledge in this. And I, I would say I have some knowledge, but I'm uh, a novice in the area for sure. Um, but the topic of today is blockchain agile and how in the hell do they relate to each other what does this have to do with our daily lives can we make sense of what's going on in the world with um, emerging technologies and blockchain and cryptography and digital currencies and does that have anything to do with our work life is it all a big scam um is there any usefulness or functionality to any of this so that's what we're going to be talking about and and how it could impact you know business agility potentially and how does it relate so that's the topic for today. It's just uh, who knows where we're going to go. Uh, it could go a lot of areas. So anyway, to kick it off, uh, Jay, what the heck is uh, blockchain? <laughs> so I think the first thing we probably should start with is the idea of what is the difference between cryptocurrency and um, blockchain technology? So okay. much like every square is a rectangle, but every rectangle is not a square. Uh, every crypto, every, every, uh, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, but not every cryptocurrency is Bitcoin, right? So that's the first thing. An underlying cryptocurrency is the concept of blockchain technology, which is really what we're getting into now. And some of the fundamental aspects of how I would describe blockchain technology, um, it is a decentralized, um, it's a decentralized technology where everything is shared publicly and using cryptographic features or functions, it makes um, data stored on a blockchain notoriously difficult to fake. It's almost immutable. 
it yeah. doesn't leave it open to manipulation. And those two things coupled with um, a whole bunch of other quasi-libertarian interests is where cryptocurrency really has its draw. And I think for the, for the purview of this conversation, while we're not really going to discuss cryptocurrency, because I mean, that's a different topic in itself. If there, if yeah. there are listeners that want to hear it, please let us know. I, I personally think, and you and I went down this rabbit hole over text not too long ago, the underpinning technology of cryptocurrency, like things like shared ledger and whatnot, do potentially have some ramifications for what we do. And I think there, if there are practitioners or organizations with an eye towards the future, um, while we're deep in the hype cycle, there is you know, something that's going to come out of this. There is some interesting ideas that are being put forward. Okay. So good answer. I'm going to back up though. What's a shared ledger? Jay? So the concept of a shared ledger is imagine, um, imagine a giant Excel sheet, which is yeah. stored somewhere out on the internet. And anybody who has access to the internet can go and look at this shared ledger. Now you may mm-hmm. need a special pair of glasses, right? To look at this yeah. ledger, which is the, the programming language that all of these uh, blockchains are written in. Um, you've heard things like Solana. Um, I think um, Solana is a different blockchain. I'm sorry. You, uh, things like, um, I know you can use Ganache to look. I think Solidity is a language that you can use, look at blockchain and interpret it. I think that's got an Ethereum backer, which I know we're going to eventually get to. Um, but the blockchain is and shared the shared ledger is basically an Excel sheet that anybody has access to that can interrogate and can see the data contained therein. But unless they run a full transaction through a system that feeds that Excel sheet, that feeds mm-hmm. the cells, yeah. you can't change it. And that's the first part. The second part is any changes that are lodged in that Excel sheet, you can't control Z. So when Troy makes a change, when Jay makes a change, when Andy Clef makes a change, it's lodged in an Excel sheet. And it basically becomes um, irreducible. It's permanently stored there, and it would need another transaction to offset it uh, to to the you know, debits and credits and whatnot. If you can think about that conceptually, but that record is always going to be there, and it cannot be changed. And that right. is one of the unique, um, you know, we've all seen uh, what that's one of the unique aspects that really make it kind of fascinating. Because if you, we all remember Superman, what is it, Superman three or Office Space, and all these, you know, financial manipulation hijinks with leftover cents and whatever they get moved around, all these, you know, economic chicanery. That's one of the quasi-libertarian draws to this technology is the fact that it's all shared and stored out in the open. It's not stored in decentralized nature. It's decentralized. So everybody's computer is running a different copy of that Excel. And that's where it kind of has a draw for that cryptocurrency set. Because it really can't be manipulated. So if you were to try to amend one of the uh, these virtual Excel sheets, right, um, the other computers on the network that have copies of this would have to verify that transaction whether or not, because what happens is when you change one thing, it basically will rechange the hashes. Now we're getting into the details of like, maybe I don't know how much people want us to get into the details of this, but essentially what what's happening is you can't go back and change one of the blocks because the other computers on the network will invalidate the transaction. Yes. And yes. And so that's what, that's one of the key differences between a centralized and decentralized in the sense of a lot of times I hear people say, well, why do we need this technology? Because we already have banks. We already have applications with databases that store things and have ledgers. Right. So 
what would you what would you say the the core value prop to to a blockchain is? Now we're I'm not even talking about cryptocurrency. I'm talking about pure blockchain technology. The core value to the blockchain is like you said, in order to undo something, in order to hide something, you want to talk about a determined bad actor. If you want to talk about someone who's interested in subterfuge, it is almost technologically impossible with today's current hardware subset. And the way you described it is perfect. So if you yeah. think about each block in a block in a in a shared ledger as a um, every time there's a bunch of transactions, a new block is generated, right? Yeah. Um, Genesis block being the first block. If you think of every block in a chain with a alphabetical letter, right? A, B, C, so on and so forth. If we get to Amazon Mary and we want to make a chain, we want to insert some change um, that would undo something that was done in, in the Charlie, the C block, it's yeah. near impossible. Because you yeah. need to basically roll all the transactions back, make a change there. Because like you said, when I make the change that represents something shady we did in, in the C block, all the other computers that are constantly validating this chain, which is the other thing with the shared letter, they're, they're constantly validating it to make sure it's accurate, would override what we're trying to do because consensus yeah. it's consensus driven. Five machines out of six will say, no, that doesn't make sense. That's not how it happened. Yeah. So that's, and it's that, totally it, it, open, right? So that's yes. one of the, the benefits of it. It's open across the world. Anybody can have their own um, a copy of a blockchain and you can have a, the full copy on your computer. You can have like a metadata copy. Um, mm -hmm. You can have uh, many different versions of it. And, you know, literally millions of people, billions of people theoretically, right, could have the copy of the blockchain. And so uh, I don't think they do, but I'm just saying, theoretically, you could have as many people as you want to have the copies of the blockchain. So, um, okay. So there's the cool benefit. So it's decentralized. So it's not one entity that controls it. It's uh, sec security is there when it comes to being able to change things and hack it, right? So how about this concept of, let's talk about where it's going, right? So we know that the the most popular use case for it in the world has been cryptocurrency. And like I said, we're not really going to talk too much about that today, but that's what people relate it to, right? Um, uh, in particular, Bitcoin, most people know about that compared to all the other ones, right? But there is a technology that was developed um, uh, after uh, Bitcoin was developed, and that technology is called smart contracts. And to me, this is where we start getting into the more intricacies of blockchain and how it can really help uh, mm -hmm. or companies can develop their own applications based on the blockchain and based on these smart contracts. So how would you describe someone what a smart contract is and what the value prop there is? So a smart contract is a contract that is executed automatically by a machine with no human intervention. Um, yeah. So for example, uh, when, you know, we've all heard of uh, stock splits, right? We've all heard of stock yeah. splits. The company decides to split their stock, delete the shares, et cetera, et cetera. You could have a, if, you, if you're an organization that offers tokens, which is, you know, basically a widget um, that's part of a blockchain, represents an ownership stake, right? It's a stock, literally. Yeah. Um, you could have a smart contract that says when it reaches a certain point, ge <laughs> generate another token. Anybody who yeah. currently has a token on this blockchain gets another one. So increment all plus one. Um, it's the, it takes the human out of it because again, it's all in code. So when you think about audit, when you think about looking back to see why decisions were made, you know, uh, most of us have talked about ADRs, which is architectural decision records. So when we make a decision, when we design a system, it would, it's a good habit to keep an ADR, throw it and get, 
or, or subversion, wherever your, your source code repository is. So at least you understand why the decision was made when it was made. And it makes sense to keep those things with the code. Um, smart contracts is almost the same thing. It's a decision record to say, okay, at this point, do this. And that is auditable because the only way you can change and hide, again, it, it's the, it's the, under, it's the assumption that there is going to be a determined bad actor somewhere. The only way yeah. you can really hide something is you have to change the code itself that executes the contract, which is sitting and stored on a blockchain, which again is quasi immutable. So way more work than, and, and technological effort than is currently feasible. Right. So how about some practical use cases for this to kind of make it real for people? Okay. Right? And um, maybe you can start envisioning like how it can impact, you know, your life or the, or the companies that you work with potentially. So I know that people are going to be listening to this and they're going to run out and trademark these episodes and these ideas, which is great. Yeah. So please just give Troy and I at least a couple of <laughs> governance tokens when you spin up. Um, it's yeah. only fair. So yeah. let's start with the idea of a generalized shared ledger, right? Yeah. So we talked about it. a shared ledger is open to the public. It can be interrogated via, via um, a code programming application or programming UI. Um, it's kind of immutable in the sense that you really can't fake it. So if you're telling me I have a giant, basically a ledger book, and in this ledger book, I have a record of transactions that cannot be faked. Where does that have uh, where does that have use in the enterprise and the corporate structures that we see today? Right, tying it to agile. Right. Um, what about our safety protocols? Right, risk mm -hmm. audit compliance. Right. Yeah. Imagine, if you will, a command that's built inside of Git, where every time you make a commit in your code base, it writes that commit into a shared ledger into a okay. blockchain, right? Yep. And it has, Troy made this commit on this date at this time. Here's the code he committed. Here's what he changed, right? Um, yep. Pull requests, what have you. Yep. Every time that's done, it writes to what amounts to an audit blockchain. Okay, so now you have a full, full history of everything that's been done to this code. You don't have to look at tickets and service now. You don't have to look at Jira. You don't have to look at Rally. You literally yeah. have a almost etched in stone record of all the things that have happened. So now what happens for those of us that work in big enterprises when PricewaterhouseCoopers comes around the corner and they want to audit us, you give them a private key, you give them the link to the blockchain, to the shared ledger, and you basically say, have at it, Hoss. I'm here if you got questions. That will right. be an, when it's quite easy to prove compliance because of the fact that it's almost nearly impossible to fake it. If someone's listening and they have an idea how to fake it, please let us know because we'd really be interested in that conversation. But <laughs> that's the first thing that I think of, Troy, when, when I started to unpack the idea of a giant ledger that's not only um, shared, it's distributed, right? So you can share it all the way across the, the nodes of an of a, of a enterprise computer network. You don't have to like stick it somewhere. And yeah. if it's behind, a, a you need a private key to unlock it, right? But you just generate that when you give it to somebody. It's a lot like sending somebody crypto. You know, there's the, you have to pack exchange keys and they're checked for validity. Um, right. I store those keys in the blockchain. I give the PWC guy a USB stick, right? Or a cold storage where he comes in, plugs it in, and then he can start interrogating all the changes that we made in a particular application over a particular amount of time. Now, granted, yeah. this requires a little bit of, um, power for generating those type of queries, generating that type of interrogation. I know like graph, I think graph dot something or other is a, is a crypto product that does like interrogation for Ethereum, which is a common public blockchain. Um, it would have to be something like that. There would need to be tools, I guess I'm saying, in order to interrogate that and create that visual. But how much easier would your audit be 
if you literally are handing the auditors the kitchen sink and saying, go find something wrong, you're not. Because every right. single permit yeah. we've made is stored now. That I think is huge. I'm waiting for, yeah. so, I've been waiting for someone to do that now, Troy, for 18 months. Somebody's done it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have, and then you have like, um, that's a great idea, by the way. Um, then you have just like practical use cases that people can relate to. And you say, hey, maybe uh, I work in this industry or I can think about how other industries could be impacted. Anything that can be, sec- have extremely secure, right? Quasi immutable, like you said, that a lot of the transactions can be, uh, and the rules basically of a transaction can be automated in code uh, through these smart contracts. Um, and so, for example, if you were to draw up a, an actual contract, a legal contract, right? And you have lawyers and you have people um, uh, involved in making sure and checking that the contract is correct. And, and then when the transaction happens, you have both parties have to validate. And there's a lot of manual intervention, you know? So anything that you have a lot of manual intervention, the possibility of automating these types of things on a blockchain is there. So, for example, there's a company uh, I can think of top of my head um, who is working on uh, some insurance uh, ideas for blockchain. There are companies who are doing real estate for blockchain, for example. So if real estate transactions all done through smart contracts, right? Not needing a, a um, potentially a, a middleman or, or financial services company. Um, like there's a, there, there's a lot of potential use cases for it. And I know it might seem weird and alien to some people because it did for me, not even if you would, if you were to, Mm -hmm. if I were to listen to this podcast six months ago, even I would have been like, okay, I don't even understand why you would use some of these things. Right. I'll give you for for the audience out there who might be curious about this. The current head of the SEC, his name is Gary Gensler. Um, He taught an MIT course uh, a few years ago uh, called block. It's something like blockchain and finance. And I'll, I'll link it in the description. Mm-hmm. And basically it's a full on MIT course, all about blockchain and finance taught by Gary Gensler, who used to be a big wig at um, Goldman Sachs, I think. So a finance expert who became a blockchain expert. And in 2018, he taught this course, the whole entire course is free on YouTube. It's 20 lectures and you can go watch all his lectures and learn all about this stuff from the current chairman of the SEC. It's a really cool opportunity. And that's, to be honest with you, that's how I learned about it. I started with this YouTube MIT course. He's, um, a, he's an interesting dude too. He has, I mean, not to get into politics, but he has some interesting ideas. I think the fact that he's technology forward is kind of yeah. fascinating. A lot yeah. of people who typically fall into those type of oversight roles uh, yeah. don't have the 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 CV that he's got, yeah. right? Yeah. The bona fides. Um, <laughs> yeah. However, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the other side of that is he is, I mean, he has some kind of kind of restrictive views, I think. Um, mm. But back to back to where, um, you know, you bring up a good example, right? The idea of a smart contract, right? So as we discussed, yeah. that's a contract that automatically um, executes via code, does not require manual intervention. Um, yeah. Think about Troy, um, think about when we bought a house, right? Yeah. Think about when we bought a house. What happens? Well, you go through this giant mortgage process where they validate your assets, right? They validate yeah. your assets. What if all your assets run a blockchain? I know we're getting sort of kind of outside of agile here, but here's another thing that popped into my head. Um, public shared ledger. You, everyone's heard about the MERS, the mortgage origination, uh, the mortgage deed recording system, right? Mm-hmm. Where every time there's a transaction, a real estate transaction, that gets recorded in a system. What if that was a publicly shared ledger 
that um, anybody with the right key can write a record to, and you have a reference to go with the record, you don't have to pay title companies all this money to research title. They can just put title companies out of business because it's all stored in an algo somewhere publicly yeah. that you can access. Yeah. Um, but back to smart contracts, right? And how that how does that affect us and what we do in IT, right? Um, the one idea that I, I did have, I think it was John Schneider, shout out to John, um, came up with this idea. Think about the IoT stuff, right? So the internet of things, uh, uh, um, smart, intelligent um, hardware, smart, intelligent uh, utility pieces. So imagine if you or I, let's use a, excuse a kind of data, let's mix it, Troy, with the data example. Imagine you and I sold Canon copiers, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And anybody can access the Canon copier, but you needed a particular contract and a service contract to get service, right? Mm -hmm. um, or you needed a service contract to buy a certain piece, right? Imagine you put all that through a smart contract and the, the machine is constantly, you know, once a week querying the blockchain to see, oh, is this still have a valid contract? Oh, yes, it does. Okay, auto order ink, auto order paper, o call service because it's down. Oh, we're recording an error code. Look at the look at the blockchain. Do we have a valid sales contract? Yes. Make a phone call. So there's a way to you can even remotely turn on and off things. Mm. If that thing has a connection to the internet, we're going to interrogate the contract. Now I've I I've haven't thought this like three steps through right because how did how would someone fake that? Well, they'd intercept the conversation. They'd have to fake a blockchain. Like there's this kind of, again, determined bad actor. But think about that, right? And how we do what we do. A lot of us do work with embedded systems. A lot of us have been around that higher, that, that, that um, interesting amalgamation of hardware, software, firmware. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things where I think smart contracts could really take off, right? Um, okay. I mean, theoretically, I mean, theoretically, you could even do smart contracts for deployment. Imagine QA writes a smart contract, Troy. That yeah. they can't deploy the code to update um, our, wiz our, 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 uh, our application until yeah. all these tests are passed. Mm. And the, the, it's, the thing triggers, it interrogates the blockchain, it sees that all the tests are passed. So then it automatically deploys it into production. I think I just wow. put um, all these cloud services companies out of, out of business, <laughs> but whatever. Um, but again, these are, these are kind of things where you're, I, and that ties back to the compliance piece because then you can prove that all the tests were executed because the contract only executes when all the tests were executed and passed and the record of which is stored in the drum roll, please, blockchain. So all again, right, so, uh, it's uh, compliance, but not a bad gotcha. idea. I have a question for you then, a follow-up question, Jay. Is it a scam? <laughs> so now we're getting into the differentiation between blockchain and cryptocurrency. So a uh -huh. lot of people are saying cryptocurrency is a scam. I think the jury is still out. I think it is deep in the hype cycle. Uh -huh. I think, um, but I also think there was a lot of liquidity sloshing around because we were all locked in our houses. The government was sending out checks to everybody. So with all that capital trying to find somewhere to be invested, of course, it went into cryptocurrency. It was the next newest thing. It's like the Wild West. I, sure. don't, I don't know if I could say definitively if it's a scam. Mm -hmm. And I, I personally don't think the money is going to be in the idea of a cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. I think the money is in what we're talking about, the underlying technology, technological advancement. That's I what agree. I think yeah. the money is. Um, if you're looking to make a quick buck, spin up a Coinbase account, dump a bunch of money into Ethereum, you know, have added Hoss, 
go, you know, I've, I, I've, I've got a, I've got a Coinbase account. I've got money. I've got a little bit of money and a lot of different things only because it'll force me to pay attention to what is developing on those things. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like a tickler, uh, 20 bucks here or there. I literally am not, not putting my 401k in Ethereum or Solana. I'll tell you that much. Sure, um, sure. So I can see where the, the concept of a scam is it, but if you, if you're not looking at the cryptocurrency piece and you're looking at the application of the learnings, right? And so in Agile, we talk about, you know, triple loop learning, feedback loops. What did yeah. you learn? What did you develop? Well, what have they learned and developed? Smart contracts are not an original intent. You know, uh, dApps, you know, decentralized applications were not an original intent. Um, the thing that really kind of floats my boat, goat is decentralized autonomous organizations. That was not the intent. The intent was yeah. to create a currency that couldn't be meddled with. And the technology that fell out of it, I think, is where it's really going to be. Um, if you're thinking along the, the really razor's edge, bleeding, bleeding razor's edge, I think you can probably do something pretty wild. Okay. So I have two more questions for you. You just, okay. you just brought up one question for me. If you could explain to the audience what a, what a decentralized autonomous organization is, because a lot of times there's this pipe dream a little bit in the agile space, right? About decentralized autonomous organization, meaning like the teams are decentralized and they have, they make their own decisions, right? There's kind of this um, whole concept of, and some people, you know, this hierarchical structure doesn't exist and all these types of things, right? Um, Now, whether that's a good idea, bad idea, if realistic or not, that's a totally different topic altogether. Yeah. The point is that is a kind of popular thing that I've heard over the years, like in our space. Right. Mm-hmm. So that word decentralized autonomous organization um, just sounds similar to me in a way. So maybe if you could explain a little bit of what that is. To so honest. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best here. And I know it's going to be people screaming at their, their phones because I'm going to butcher this. Um, sure. The way I understand a decentralized autonomous organization is basically an organization, which, which if you think about like, if you think about corporate rules, right? Rules of order, uh, Robert's rules of order, anyone that's ever done like anything in the government or, or even like any Greek life in college, um, all that stuff is executed via smart contract. It is truly um, meant to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Egalitarian in the sense that everybody is created equal. Uh, it is meant to be an organization that uh, rules and decision-making and rules of engagement are all clear. They are out in the open. Um, typically, you've heard of like uh, token voting, where the people who have, well, you know, I jokingly said a governance token, that's a token mm-hmm. that allows me to say, have a say um, mm-hmm. in what this project, this DAO is doing. Uh, it, it's uh, equal contribution, equal voting rights, um, if you contribute, you get a you get to have a piece of the puzzle. So the best example I can think of for those of the people that aren't up to the crypto lingo is yeah. you heard about everybody heard about the Constitution DAO, right? Which was an, a virtual organization, a decentralized autonomous organization that spun up to buy a copy of the Constitution. And what people did is they bought tokens inside this organization, which is basically like a chit or a stock. And the thought would be if this company, if this organization had the winning bid for the Constitution. They would, the organization would own the constitution. Everybody with a token would own a piece of it. It's the idea of fractional ownership, fractal yeah. ownership, which is also NFTs that we can get into that. That's kind of wild. Um, so that's 
that's I think my interpretation of what a DAO is. So now let me give you a real like, like you're right, Troy. We talk about autonomy all the time and what we coach. Um, however, I will argue that you can't have autonomy and power about without competence, which is where smart contracts adds the competence because it's all automated decision making. However, uh, I'll give this real life example. I have been talking about for months now turning the agile uprising into a DAO. And okay. here's my argument. Okay. Um, DAOs are something that non-for-profits will seem to be a perfect fit for, right? Okay. Because what happens with non-profits when they uh, uh, typically long enough, if they get, if they're around long enough, they kind of become quasi-corrupted, right? Because you have a board of directors, you have a president, and then they kind of lose the message. There's a law, like a, like a Gresham's law, I forget what it is. There's a law about how organizations eventually, iron law of institutions, eventually you only care about your status in the institution, not the institution itself. Um, a couple generations removed, you start to lose the values. But imagine, let's talk about our org, the Agile Uprising. Imagine everyone who contributes to the Agile Uprising gets a token, right? Mm-hmm. And, or a chipped. And that token allows them to help make decisions about where this organization goes. Well, at that point, we don't, we're, we're kind of flat in the sense that we don't have like a president, a vice president. We don't have a CEO. We have any of that stuff, right? We're not even a registered uh, uh, 501c3. We're just yeah. a bunch of people who hang out together. But imagine if all these people who contribute to the uprising, right? The conversation on the Discord server, the podcast, the podcast guests, everybody who contributes gets a piece of the pie. And then they get to say where the organization goes. Now there is some a little, there is a little bit of scariness there, right? When you think about what happened in history with Greek Greeks and Rome, and when you <laughs> go to a full democracy, you know the mob rules. Right. But the idea of not needing a board of directors, the idea of decision making truly done—I hate to say by the people for the people—but in that vein, hmm. I think that would work. To be honest with you, Troy, I really kind of struggle with. I can't figure out if we're going to mint a governance token. Um, why would you want to be involved? And what is the, the end case? Like, that's where I, I struggle with our, our organization is a perfect example, right? So everybody who posts on Discord and hits level, you know, hits our, the level 25 because they've been so active, right? They get a free token. Okay, that's great. So they have a piece of the pie. But what does that, what does that do for them? That's where I have yet to spend enough cycles to figure that out. But that's where I think the idea of decentralized autonomous organizations go. Um, is it uh, in, in Agile? Oh, well, it goes back to, you know, smart contract to deploy your code. Your code can't be deployed until it hits all these QA things, right? So we truly are autonomous in the sense of we're working on our own to put our code into the right environment so we can deliver value to the customer. Now, the, the mental exercise that I think will be like part four of this series is what happens when you try to do that at scale. So let's, let's take that idea and expand it out to tens or even hundreds of teams. How does that conceptually work? Uh, but that, but back to DAOs, that's where I think they really come in. It really is a, if everybody's, if you're sharing and creating the value, you deserve to be compensated for that. And you deserve to have a say in this group that you're part of where it goes. Um, the other the other application that's not agile specific, which I consistently bounce around. And I think there is a company, DSO, maybe decentralized social. I think it's decentralized um, social networks, where if you think about the way Facebook works, right, it's kind of a ripoff for us because we basically contribute an audience. For us, I mean, everybody who uses it, we contribute an audience. We tell Mark Zuckerberg our likes and dislikes. Um, I'm sorry, the meta, what does he call us? Coworkers now? Meta, meta members, me members. I have no idea. Something <laughs> totally stupid. Um, 
But if you think about it, everything, every page we've liked, every comment we've left creates all this data that he turns around and monetizes in the form of advertising. So he's making money off our eyes, right? Quote the band incendiary, if you don't know the product is the product is you. What if that was reversed? And what if every time we interacted with a brand, right? Uh, you like Gibson guitars, you like the band Ghost, you like, uh, you know, Sriracha hot sauce. Every time you interacted with them in some sort of social environment, you got a micropayment, you got a microtransaction of a little bit. You know, again, we talk about fractional ownership, a little bit of money here and there. So my data then becomes monetizable to me, not to somebody else. And companies are actually paying me for the time and the eyeballs that I give them. Uh, So think about that. I know Bitcoin SV is probably one of the products. I know we're, I don't want to talk about crypto, but it's in that space about advancing the idea of micropayments. I know one of the concerns of doing uh, not even, not even micropayments, just like replacing credit cards with crypto is the transaction volume and speed. And then the gas costs, which are the costs to record a transaction in the ledger. Um, but that's another thing, right? Like where um, it's decentralized, we're making money off of what we spend our time on. Cause what we spend our time on is obviously what we hold important. And that then in turn feeds back into the system. I mean, that's where I think DAOs are going. I, again, I have a very yeoman's <laughs> sophomoric knowledge. I know there's probably a agile crypto bro out there who just screamed at his, at his radio because I'm butchering it. But that's where I think the idea of everyone has a piece, everyone contributes to the vision and where we're going. That's where I think in agile in organizations, I think there's a, I really do think there's an opportunity for that. I do. So I think, um, I have one last question for you, but while you were talking, I was thinking about, and I'm not going to plug any particular companies or anything like that um, specifically, but I will just say that there's a company that I'm aware of that's doing something really cool. Um, And basically it's one of the best, at least in my head, the best use cases for some of this technology that people can relate to, right? Like he's very easily relatable. So Imagine like if you could own a piece of a property. So if you only had, um, I don't know, if you had $1,000 to invest right in something, right? You could invest your money in crypto, you, which is highly volatile, right? You can invest your money in the stock market, which is a little bit less volatile, but it's still pretty volatile, right? Um, and so you could lose all your money. Uh, you know, if you invest in something risky or if you invest in something that's not risky, then you might make very, very little, you know, return on investment. And if you get lucky, maybe you make a good amount of money, right? Um, Or you can invest in the, you know, highest year over year, decade over decade kind of return on investment that people can relate to this, a brick and mortar physical locations, right? Whether that's home ownership, whether that's uh, commercial property ownership, right? Think about how much money your house or a house you somebody had. Like my my parents' house, I remember when they bought that house, they paid, you know, something like, I don't even know, $50,000 or something for it back in the day. You know, and they ended up selling it for a few hundred thousand or something like that. You know, some crazy return on investment mm-hmm. for, for, for literally just living there, like doing nothing else, right? So uh, so that that's something people can relate to, right? So, it, 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 but unfortunately- for a lot of people, they might not have the credit, they might not have the financial, uh, they might not have the savings to be able to put enough money down on something, right? Or, and they might not have a way to buy a $500,000 house or property or something like that. So 
or a hundred thousand or whatever the case, but they might have $500 in their bank account they can invest or a hundred or a thousand. So what if they could actually own fractional ownership of a property with other people and get the return on investment of the long-term long -term, uh, property value appreciation, right? So they can sell their fractional ownership at any time to anyone else. So if the price of that value goes up 5%, then like, like the, the price of the property goes up 5%. Like you see Zillow, for example, the Zillow ratings, you know, where, where there was like a rating system like that, that was public, that you can say, okay, the price, the value of this went up 5% over the last year, 10%. Okay, I can sell my fractional ownership to somebody else on like an open marketplace and they can buy that and then they can invest in that long-term. And meanwhile, this property could be renting out and you could be getting yields on that property. So you can be earning passive monthly income and sell your ownership of that actual brick and mortar property anytime you want. You totally, it's totally decentralized and not one single, there's no one single owner there. Now there may be a company who's like buying the property and setting this up, you know, of course, but basically that kind of use case where you can really bring yeah. something that is only for traditionally for people who are considered wealthy or well off to be able to buy properties and flip them and then earn um, money on those flips and things like that, or, and rent out the properties and get the yield, the, depending on, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you can still participate in that. And then you can pass on that fractional ownership to your kids, right? And whatever, through your family and, and make it long-term. And it's all recorded in the blockchain. It's unchangeable. You can, mm -hmm. It's a whole mm -hmm. thing, right? That kind of technology, like that's something I see people can relate to, right? Again, right. I'm not going to promote the company because I don't want it to sound like a plug or anything for any particular But that, uh, you're hitting on the idea of fractional ownership, right? Yeah. Fractional ownership that pays a return and it is ownership in something physical, right? Yeah. Um, which is, you can't just... Um, I know it, the, the topic du jour, right, is inflationary currency and the, and the Federal Reserve just turning on the money printer, blah, 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 blah. Um, but you can't just print a house yet, yet. Yeah, 3D <laughs> printing eventually is going to take care of that. Right. But, you know, you can't just print something that's, 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 that's tactile. Um, there's, a, there's a company, I believe the name is Masterpiece, I believe, um, which does almost the same sort of thing that you're talking about with fine art. So you can own a piece of a Basquiat. Or you can own a piece of another uh, of fine art. Um, again, it's a fractional ownership piece. It's going to appreciate when uh, you know through sale and all that sort of stuff, earning yield. Um, but that it's kind of the same idea. And I mean, I was we're kind of touching on NFTs, which I don't want to go into because that's a whole friggin' episode in and of itself. Um, but I was ruminating about how would that apply to some of the things we do in the agile space. And I think the idea of NFTs, especially. Um, as they relate to smart contracts, it's that fractional ownership plus always getting yourself a piece of the pie every time that item is transacted. And I think I'm kind of working through it. I'm not, we'll talk about it in the next part, but I'm kind of working through how to do that in the agile space where um, monetizing things and then earning yourself, again, a passive income uh, based upon the utilization of that thing and its consistent resale. Right. So oh, here we go. Here we go. Imagine if every CSM was an NFT and there's only so many minted a year. <laughs> and if I want to sell my CSM, right, I don't have to pay my yearly thing to keep my license active. If Scrum Alliance says we're only going to do 500 CSMs and I have one, it's kind of like a liquor license in town. You know, you and I want to build a bar and we got to get a liquor license. Well, there's only so many liquor licenses, so they can either print one, they can either deed us a new one and we pay for it. 
or we have to buy somebody else's. What if somebody else decides to put that liquor license up for sale? And then it's transacted and stored in a public ledger, right? And so, hey, I want to sell my SPC because I'm getting out of the agile business because, you know, okay, well, I sell it to you, Troy. Well, it's executed via smart contract. There's a record in a public ledger that I sold it to you. Um, safe themselves, still get a piece of the action because that's one of the other things with smart contracts. And, and NFTs is whenever they transact, the original content creator gets a piece, a percentage. This is a win-win, right? Somebody, somebody's <laughs> going to be again. Somebody is going to beat us to the punch, and yeah, I don't know who it's sure. going to be, but that's where I really think there is some. If you're if you're thinking forward enough, there are some opportunities here. Yeah. So if you if you're listening out there, if you're still listening, you know, God bless you, by the way, because this is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. This might sound really geeky for some people, but I don't know. But uh, but we're we're into it, as you can tell. So um, it's a cool new new. It's not really the technology is not new, but there's a lot of new emerging technology from the original blockchain technology. So um, you know, it's pretty exciting. So if you want us to go deeper into this, if you want us to go deeper into pros and cons of of these things. If you want to dive into cryptocurrency, or if you want us to dive into anything you heard about this, if you want a deeper dive, reach out on the, the Discord, the Agile Uprising Discord. Um, if we see people interested, you know, maybe we'll record another one. We know it's not directly, that deep dive wouldn't necessarily be directly related to Agile. But if you're just interested in this topic and want us to go down that rabbit hole, maybe we'll find um, some similarities or things where, where it can fit. So um yeah that's yeah. all i got for today Jay. i i will i will i will second what you just said and just drop for people if i i know it's kind of like it's like trying to explain crypto to my dad right it's kind of terrible um <clears throat> if you really are if this wet your whistle and you want to get more information uh the the two best resources i could suggest everybody o'reilly has a book called mastering blockchain um i think it's by lauren lance and daniel cowrie it's actually really good. It reads really well. The beginning is dry because it talks about the actual um, blocks in the blockchain and hashing. Troy alluded to that, but we didn't go down that nerd hole. Um, but it really gives you a nice, quick overview of things like blockchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana. What are NFTs? What are smart contracts? We talked about DAOs. It touches on those. Um, so that's one thing I suggest if you're kind of just trying to get the academic understanding. I also echo Troy's sentiment before, the Gary Gensler class. I've flipped through a couple of those videos. They're pretty darn good. Um, if you want to see what's really somebody who's got an interesting take on it from the technology facing side of it, um, there's a guy by the name of Packy McCormick who does not boring, not boring.co, I think is his website. He does a blog post once a week, usually on Mondays. Um, I've learned more about blockchain technology from this guy than anybody else. And he approaches it in a very light and breezy way. So if you're really interested, sign up for his newsletter. I don't know Packy. I would love to have him on the show. So Packy, if you're listening or if one of your fans are listening, get it to him. We'll have Troy and I'll have him on and pick his brain. Um, but that's another resource where in a fun, interesting way, he kind of looks at the what Troy and I were just talking about, right? How does this bleeding edge technology tie into the world we've got today? But that's yeah. it. I got I, I, I know what Troy said. If you want to hear more of this, let us know. Um, if this was too far down the rabbit hole, let us know. If I totally butchered a definition, let us know. Um, <laughs> but if you have an idea and you want to get into the conversation, right, just drop us a line in Discord and we'll, we'll take it from there, right? We're always looking. If you can solve my DAO problem for the Agile Uprising, we'll give you five governance tokens to start. Um, just reach out to me and let me know. Yeah. And if, you, if you're listening at home, you're saying, well, what about this? What about that? Aren't there cons to this stuff? 
Sure. So if you want us to dive into that stuff, we'd be happy to. Uh, we could talk about pros and cons. We could deep dive in any topic you want. So the Agile Uprising Discord, we'll link it in the description. Um, feel free to join up if you're already a member. Uh, you know where to post then. So, <laughs> but check it out and um, we will we will see you there. Awesome. Thanks, Troy. Thank you.